So it was the summer of 2015. The Lipinski family met up with another family, some family friends, in uh, Mammoth Lakes, California. Each family rented a, an apartment there for a week. We're going to spend some time together. So after we, uh, we got the kids to sleep, the four adults met in this little grassy area between these two apartment complexes. So we were hanging out. We were talking, recalling what happened that day. And my wife, being a good mother, wanted to go check on the kids. So she went to go check on the kids. The apartment was back here. I was sitting here in my little camping chair. Griff, my friend, was sitting right across from me. We're talking. All of a sudden, I see his eyes get really big. And he stands up and he shouts, Cindy, stop. There's a bear coming toward you. I quickly get up, turn around. And I saw this picture, or what looked like this picture. That's actually a black bear from Mammoth Lakes. And it looks like it might be the same bear that I saw. My heart started racing. She was trapped. My wife was trapped between two apartment complexes with a bear about 30 feet away. I see Griff take out his 38 caliber. Now, he has a, he's a lawyer. Okay, a lawyer carrying a gun. I know that's a joke somewhere. But... But he takes it out, and he had a CCW, so it was perfectly legal. And he takes it out, and he puts that crimson dot laser right, right on the forehead of that bear. And I th quickly think to myself, I don't have a gun. I don't have a knife. I don't have any bear repellent, for the love of God. What am I going to do? I thought to myself, use what you got. Tell someone, use what you got. You're watching online today? Put that in the chat. Use what you got. All I had... For the love of God, was a camping chair. So I took that camping chair and I got right to the right hand side of Griff and we slowly marched towards that bear. One step closer. Now, how many of you know what you're supposed to do when you see a bear? Yeah, yeah thank you. Make yourself big. Well, let me tell you something about feeling big when you're looking at a 350 pound black bear. You feel incredibly small. In fact, I think I know what that bear saw. It looked like something like this. I'm the one on the right, slightly bigger than Griff, carrying a camping chair, and he's got what looks like a little BB gun to that bear. We were freaked out, but you got to use what you got. So we kept marching towards that bear ever closer, thinking someone's going to die here, but I'd rather be me than my wife. And, and, when we got a little bit closer, it was about 15 feet away from my wife, the bear suddenly stops, turns around, and exits the way it came. I dropped the chair, hugged my wife, and thanked my God. But here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. I refuse to be remembered as the husband who sat in a camping chair while his wife was mauled by a bear. The point is, I could do something about it, right? I could impact the situation. But to impact the situation, we got to use what we got. We got to use what we got. I don't know if you know this, but the world is in need of impact now more than ever in our lifetime. It's in need of impact. And you know what? We have a choice, church. We can sit by and watch the bear, Satan, devour his prey, or we can rise up 
and do something about it. We can impact the situation. We can affect change. But we got to use what we got. We're in week three of our dream series we're calling Created for This. What are we created for? Well, in part, we're created for impact. The church was built for such a time as this. We've been looking at two people, man, who made a huge impact. Two people who used what they had to affect change right in front of them. Their names were Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai adopted his niece, niece Esther. They're two Jews who were living in Susa, the, uh, the capital city of ancient Persian empire. Now, Esther hid her Jewish identity and became queen, which is awesome, right? The only problem was there's this guy named Haman. He was a real jerk. He was second in command right underneath the king, and he had a big ego, so big that he made people bow down to him, and everyone complied, everyone except a guy named Mordecai. He said, I'm Jewish, and I'm not bowing to a man. And he worked, Mordecai worked at the king's gate, so this was problematic because he saw Haman a lot. Haman was a big dog walking through the gate, and there was Mordecai not bowing. This enraged Haman so much so that he used his influence. He went to the king and said, would you uh, issue a decree throughout the whole Persian empire that all Jews must be killed? We said before, before there was Hitler, there was Haman. And so the, 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 the king agreed to this decree. He issued this decree, which would be enacted in 11 months. Well, in the meantime, before it could be enacted, Mordecai used what he had. He had influence in his niece Esther's life. And so he went to his niece and said, listen, I want to encourage you, please go to the king, approach the king, reveal your Jewish identity and ask him to reverse the decree. But the problem is to do that, your life's on the line because you can't approach the king, the king without a royal request. So she would have to put her life in danger, which she's going to do because she's got courage. She's got boldness. We can learn a lot from her. So Esther throws the king, uh, the king and Haman a banquet and tells the king that she'll reveal her request at this banquet. It's all on the line. Her life hangs in the balance. Esther chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. He's in a good mood, right? He's been drinking a bunch of wine. We know he, he's, he's basically he's a drunk. And he's, he's not, a, not a godly man by any request. But he says, what, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. The queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, an adversary and an enemy. This vile Haman. You can just, you can just see Haman's face. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, 
Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching up to a height of 50 cubits, which is 75 feet, stands by Haman's house. He had set it up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Lord, I thank you for the power of an impact, for the magnitude of an impact, for the legacy of an impact. God, help us impact our world. Help us use what we got while we got it to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First truth I want to point out today is our identity directs our activity. Identity always directs activity. I want you to put yourself in her position. She had probably rehearsed what she was going to say a thousand times. Her palms were sweating. Her heart was racing. The big moment was here. But she, she wanted to use what she had, right? And so you better believe she got all gussied up, right? She got all dolled up. And we know she was a beautiful girl. The Bible tells us that. She's a beautiful woman. And she's going to use what she's got, right? So she, she's, you know, she, no mascara. I want the fake lashes. You know what I'm saying? And, and the glittery stuff y'all put on. I know she has some of that. I know she, she wanted a little, little, uh, little bath and body works. Uh, warm vanilla sugar. Not to be mistaken for the Japanese uh, cherry blossom. See? I Googled it. That's the number one seller. We just had some, my, my wife is simple. She just had warm vanilla sugar because she's sweet like that. But man, don't you know, they got, she got all gussied up and walked in there. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor John, it's not about physical, right? It was to the king. And if you don't believe me, just ask Queen Vashti, right? The, the one who used to be queen and he removed her. So, and he said, well, She's not doing anything illegal, immoral, or unethical, or unbiblical. She's using what she got. And God can use every part of you. you there are parts of us that God wants to use, the, the parts that we don't surrender, you know what I'm saying, the stuff that we tuck away, and God wants to, to use every part of us for his glory. And so she walks in there and faces the most powerful man in the world at that time. And what he said went. Why? Because it was a monarchy. He was the boss. He was a dictator, right? And so whatever he said that was the final word. How could she do that? How could she do that? This, here's the secret. I don't know if you caught this in scripture. You might've missed this. The secret is that the queen never entered the banquet hall that day. The queen never entered. Rather, a daughter, a daughter of the king entered that day. And it was, see, see she, she realized that before she's a queen, I'm first and foremost, the daughter of the Most High God. Did you know that there's no grandchildren in heaven? There's no redheaded stepchild. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just, sorry if you're red hair, no, no offense. I'm just illustrative purposes only. But there's just sons and there's daughters. And, 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 and she realized that I'm a daughter. And because I'm a daughter of a king, I can face the worldly king. And although I might be a little nervous because I got some humanity going right now, like, you know, keeping it real, but I know it's going to be okay because I 
serve the king. I'm a daughter of the king. And listen to what she said. Here's proof that what I'm saying is true. So verse 3, she says, grant me my life. This is my petition. That would have been it if she was just queen. But listen to what she says. She didn't stop there. And spare my people. Because when you're a son or a daughter, that means you've got spiritual brothers and sisters, right? So she says, i got to take care of my family. You know, spare my family. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. She's a daughter before she's a queen. I can just see the king scratching his head. You're, you're not Persian? No, I'm the Jewish version of a Persian. And in that, there's no perversion. Been working on that one all week now. And then you got Haman over there. He's like, oh my God, I, what have I done? I just ordered the execution of the queen. He didn't know she was Jewish. But what we do is determined by who we are. What we do. What you say, how you use your time, how you spend your money, who you vote for, that's all a reflection of our identity. Who we are reflects what we do. The answer to how you spend your treasure, your time, and your talents says a lot about who you think you are. So what I want to challenge you is I want to challenge you to guard your impact and for myself to guard my impact because it turns out your impact has options. Did you know that? you got options with your impact. Now, truthfully, as a son or daughter of Christ, we really don't have options because if we submit to his authority and we live in biblical obedience, we really don't have a choice. But the flesh enters in and there's a war, a world that's warring for your impact. It's trying to steal your time, your treasure, your talents, your impact. Let me say it this way. Don't let the world define your impact. Refuse to allow this world to define your impact. Because, let me say, what aligns you, defines you. Some of y'all didn't catch that. It's it's, it's early for some of y'all. What aligns you, defines you. What, What you allow yourself to be aligned to, if you align yourself to the world, the world will define you. But if you align yourself to the truth of God's word, saying that, you know what? You are a son. You are a daughter. Sweet, you're a sweet daughter of God. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ, through strength. He says you're a masterpiece. Do you believe that? Because that's what God says about you. That's what God says about us. And man, if we start to believe that, it, it changes the way we live this life. It changes the way we impact people. Haman, he allowed himself to be defined and aligned by the world. And that's why he was this crooked politician who would lie, cheat, and steal for power. We can't relate to that. The Bible's irrelevant for today. Yeah, I can't relate to that at all. Right? That's because he was all about power. It was all about status. Friends, I want to say, don't, don't mistake image for impact. Some of us, we, we think we're making this big mark. We're, we're doing a whole lot. And honestly, what we're doing is we're working on our image. I, I said uh, a few weeks ago, we need to stop trying to be everything to everyone and start being something to someone. Right? We're running around trying to look good and play cool. Right? Yeah, amen. You can give God praise. We're, we're trying to run. We're, we're spinning a, a thousand miles a minute. And what are we really doing? Like, whose life have we impacted last week? I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, like, whose life did I impact this very week? I, uh, I, I try to teach our kids, Cindy and I, we try to teach our kids to, um, 
to not let the world define their impact, right? Because there's a world that if, if you, the default setting is Hollywood or somebody from the world will define what your kid's supposed to be, what your kid's supposed to act like. And we refuse to do that. So we try to raise our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord and trying to tell them, like, look, you'll be who God says you'll be. You'll do what God says you'll do. You just listen to him. You just trust him. You please the right voice, right? And, and, and so this past week, and Stella's uh, given me permission to share this story. Uh, she, she didn't do very good on a math test. So, you know, the public school system did what it wants to do. It says, you know, you're going to have to go to remedial math. Which the funny thing is, my wife's the remedial math teacher at the school. <laughs> so that worked out kind of cool. But, but here's what I told Stella. I said, look, you know, yes, go in the remedial math. Work hard at that, right? Colossians 3.23, we work hard at everything we do. But at the end of the day, if she's not a mathematician, like, I'm okay with that. God's not looking for a doctor of mathematics. He's looking for a daughter. He's not looking for a scholar. He's looking for a servant. He's not so concerned with competence. He's concerned with character. Amen? God's going to define her impact. And don't you know that every Sunday morning, this Sunday, when we had the girls, we had women's ministry meeting, guess who was watching all the kids? my daughter. That's called impact. Normally she's not even in service because she's working with Inga and the different folks loving the kids. So every Sunday morning she's making an impact. Don't let the world define your impact. Number two, to guard your impact, you need to speak up. We need to speak up. How easy it would have been for Esther to just be silent. I don't, he doesn't know I'm Jewish. So all the people will die, but I'll probably be okay. How easy that would have been. And how easy it is for us to be silent. When you can go to California, you can go to a strip club, but you can't go to church. Or in New York, you can go to a liquor store, but you can't go to church. Like, why are we so quiet? Like, how are we okay with that? Or, or how about the uh, 3,000 abortions that happen every day in, in America? Like, like, are we okay with that, people? And listen, not, 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 we're not, not talking politics. So this is not politics. This is identity. It's who we are as God's child. Okay, it's not about politics. It's about fighting for the things he fought for and living for the things that he lived for. we got to speak up. I guarantee Mordecai and Esther, if they were living in this time, they would speak up. I love what Ronald Reagan said. He said, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. And, and I wonder sometimes, are we afraid? Am I afraid? I mean, listen, I, I'm glad y'all are coming to church. But like pastors can be afraid too. Like I can say the wrong thing and, and then people won't come. But you know, something happened over the last couple of years where I, I just got over myself. I got, I got over the, the wanting to please y'all. Like I love you. I, I love you. You have no idea how much I love you. But like I fear him more than I fear saying the wrong thing to you. Like I, I don't want to say the wrong thing for him. And, and, and listen, the, the world is suffering from pessimism overload. Right? I mean, like it, I mean, this world, yeah, we're, we're polarized. We got a lot of problems, but man, it's getting so negative. And we're, we're going, we always jump to like the worst possible scenario. It's, it's like an anxiety girl. You seen this? Able to jump to the worst conclusion in a single bound. <laughs> we do that, man. And, and you, you turn on the TV, you turn on the news, you go to the grocery store, and it's like, oh, I can't take it. We got to speak life. We got to speak life. And let me just say this. Let me, let me, let me, uh, I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you God's word. Here's what God's word says. Nothing, Hebrews 4.13, I don't have it on the screen. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. 
everything, everything is uncovered and laid bare before him to whom we must give an account. Right? That's God's word. And so we can all take a deep breath and relax and say, look, God, you got this. You're up to things that we can't see. We can't fathom. We can't understand. It's not our job. Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than our ways, right? And so our job is just to be obedient, speak up. But, but, but when I say speak up, it matters what we say. It matters what we say. It was, it's not just what we're <laughs> against, but it's more about who we are for. Listen to Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Does anybody need all some joy and peace right now? Because I need joy and peace. I'm just going to keep it real. I need that. May he fill you with joy and peace as you, what? Trust. Which means that if we don't have joy and peace, we got a trust deficit. We got trust issues, y'all. Right? And so he says, I want to fill you with joy and peace as you trust in me so that it may overflow. You may overflow with hope for the love of God. That's what the world needs. It needs hope. Troy, we have hope. We are vessels. We are carriers of light. We are carriers of hope and the world. Someone this week you will impact. You probably impact someone before you leave this church that needs some sort of hope from you because the hope wasn't just meant to flow through me. I'm just like one guy. This, this thing doesn't work with one guy. This thing is about a family of God, people that have fire lit underneath there, you know what, and say, you know, I'm going to bring hope to a dying world. I, I ran into this cashier. And I was going to the store, line checkout, and she says, when's the last time you flew a kite? Never met this girl in my life. I'm thinking, like, when's the last time you took a puff? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it must have been, like, about 30 seconds ago. But then she said, you know, she's like, you know, I just, I'm asking people that as they come through my line today. Because I just think maybe we need to get back to the simple things. Yeah, you can clap. You can get, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And she never mentioned Jesus. I don't know if she's a Christian. I suspect she was, but she impacted me. You know what I'm saying? Like I went, I had to think about that in my car. And I'm thinking, man, she's using her platform as a cashier at a store. And she's influencing, impacting people's life. We got to not let the world define our impact. We got to speak up and we need to Refuse to compromise. Ooh, refuse to compromise. Amen, amen, amen. And, and, and we all do it, but think of how easy it would have been for her to say, save me, because I'm queen, you know, and you like me and you dig me, and I got Japanese cherry blossom on for you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I got the little sparkies. I got these lashes that I need blinkers for. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like weighing down my whole head. So heavy. Oh, I digress. But how easy would it have been for her just to say, take care of me. Take care of number one. No, no. She didn't compromise. And, and Christians, you know what we do? We rationalize when we compromise, don't we? We rationalize it. God's in control. True. But let me tell you something about God. God is in control, but God doesn't always take control. God was in control when six million Jews were slaughtered by the Nazi regime. Holocaust. He was in control, right? But, but he enabled people to take control. And thank God for the allied forces who finally stepped in and took care of business, right? 
Thank God for those brave men and women. But, but there were people along the way who were right next to Adolf Hitler, who had influence, who had the ability to make an impact in their world and were silent. They compromised. There's a word for that. The military has a term when you don't do your duty. Dereliction of duty. Christians have a word for it when we don't do our duty. We call it God's will. That must be God's will. Six million Jews. Must be God's will. God is sovereign. God is above all. Wow. Wow. It's not God's will. There's God's perfect will and there's God's permissive will, but God's given us the ability to do something about it, to use what we got to impact some change up in here. How many times have I allowed myself to be talked out of impact? I'll give you one example. I was this close from being talked out of something that was life transformational. My wife and I, we were at a different church and um, we had these things called, things called first-time visits. Where you, fill out, you come to the church, you fill out a card, you put your address on there, and then one of the pastoral staff and their spouse or an elder and their spouse would show up on your doorstep. And we'd have like cookies or a gift, right? And, and I'll be honest with you all, like it, a lot of times I, I didn't want to go because it's late, you have to go after dinner, you know, and the kids have to take care of themselves, you know, and so, we, you know, and so it's, you know, half the time they don't even answer the door. And like, I can see you in there. Like, I'm at your door. <laughs> Hello, I see you looking at me, right? I've actually done that though, so. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really want to go. And, but by the grace of God, we went this particular night, even though we were busy, had a thousand things going. We went and we showed up on the doorstep of a guy named Josh. Josh opened the door. He began to talk to us and he shared that his wife just left him for another man, went to Kentucky, I believe, left him and his two kids. He was devastated. So we sat there and prayed with him on his doorstep. We cried with him at his doorstep. And he said, before I left, he said, you know, I'm really glad you came because I was gonna do something really stupid tonight. And by the grace of God, we were there we listened to God. We didn't compromise. We listened to God. And by his grace, we were able to impact that man's life. And Josh Workman, where are you at? Where are you at, Josh? Stand up. He's here today. Josh Workman. Awesome, brother. That's what's at stake in terms of our impact. And here's the thing I want to tell you. The impact occurs where you're at. Impact occurs where you're at. We got to get rid of this false narrative that like you have to, you know, I have to stop cussing. I have to you know, stop cutting people off in traffic. I have to <laughs> stop, you know, posting those angry political posts that I shouldn't be posting, right? And commenting on things, right? Like, here's the thing. All those things, yes, I'm not minimizing the importance of a sanctified life. Yes, we want to move towards sanctification. Amen. And we're working on it. But here's the thing. Don't talk yourself out of the opportunity to be an impact right where God has you, right where you're at. You know, we, we, we come to church, you know, we put on our, our best little, well, now it's our best mask, which is both literal, both literal and figurative, right? I mean, there's some, there's, that's a metaphor that'll preach. But we put on our, our best mask and, and, and you know, we, we think that, you know, the person next to us, they got it all together. And God could use him or her for impact, but not me because I got some stuff in my life that I'm working on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I got stuff, and so God can't use me. Here, here's what I want to do. I want to expose that myth today. The people sitting next to you have issues. 
And check this out. I'm, I'm going to show you this through, through some new technology. We, we, we recently acquired some new technology in our camera systems that when focused on a person will tell what that person is thinking at a particular time. So I've asked, Michael, I've asked you to find some. So find somebody, and I'm going to prove this right now. Who we got? Who we got up there? Mike P. All right, let's see what Mike P is thinking right now. How can I make my wife think I'm looking at the Bible app while I check the score of the game? Can we get someone a little more godly? I mean, we all know Mike P. So he's a piece of work. How about, you know, who else? Get, get someone who, who uh, might be... Oh, Gary, Pastor Gary. Oh, this is going to be good. What is Pastor Gary thinking at this very second? Will Pastor John's message ever end? I'm starving. That is messed up. Wow. We'll talk later. All right, we got time for one more. Who else? Who else we got? Let's get someone who's, you know, a little sweeter. Oh, oh, this is going to be good. Let's see what Cindy's thinking. Oh, no, I think my Coles cash expires today. Wow. Awesome. Oh. Sorry, we, we, we like to have fun in church. You know, God, we're created in his image and his likeness. And so when we laugh, like he laughs, like it's a good thing. We get humor from him and creativity from him. So we like to have a little bit of fun. But here's the point I'm trying to make is that God uses broken people. In fact, God uses broken people like you and me to rescue broken people like you and me. Amen? Come on. Check this out. So I met a girl named Jessica this week. It's my, my daughter, Riley, babysits for her kids. And I, got to, I went to go pick Riley up. And, and uh, she texted me and said, Dad, can you come in? Jessica wants to meet you. So I met Jessica, and she wanted to know about our church a little bit. And she began to tell me that she was kind of in a funk. With everything going on in our world, in our country, she's just, like, been in a funk. And she said, I needed to get past it. So I, I rolled down my windows. I cranked up Caleb. And guess what song was playing? You turn graves into gardens. Bam, 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 bam. Right? So she cranked it up, and she went through Dutch Bros. Okay? She went through Dutch Bros, and the lady working at Dutch Bros heard that song, right? You turn graves in the garden. And whoop, like a faucet, just started crying. So then Jessica said, then I started crying, and we had this like little moment. I don't know this girl, but we're like having a moment. And, and then she gets, gets her coffee, gets ready to leave, and, she, and the girl says, thank you. I needed that. See, that's impact. That's impact where you're at. You can be in a car with your windows down. You don't have to say a word, but you blare the radio. That's impact right where you're at. That's what Jessica did. Mordecai, he impacted people's lives at the gate. He was working the king's gate. Remember, he discovered a plot to, to, that was gonna, they were going to kill the king. He made an impact right there at the gate. Esther made an impact at the palace. Jesus made an impact in a fishing boat, uh, you know, in a farmer's field, in a garden, on the road to Emmaus, talking to a couple of people. Like, you make an impact where you're at. We don't make excuses. Oh, I got to get this. I got to get this perfect. I gotta be. No, we make an impact where we're at. Don't you know that Jesus' miracles, most of Jesus' miracles, they're a result of interruptions. Did you know that? Mark 5, he gets off the boat. 
right? Goes across the Sea of Galilee and he runs into a synagogue leader while well, a synagogue leader named Jairus ran into him. He interrupted Jesus and said, hey, my daughter's sick. Can you come heal? Yep, all right. He's on the way to go heal. He gets interrupted again by the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, he's dealing, going to respond to an interruption and gets interrupted again. What does he do? He heals both of them. Here's what I'm trying to say. Interruptions are invitations for impact. We've got to change the way we look at interruptions, y'all. Because in interruptions are invitations for us to, to spend our influence and to impact people for the kingdom. That knock on your door from a hurting neighbor in the middle of dinner, that's an invitation for impact. That, that phone call from a struggling in-law in the middle of your favorite movie, that's an invitation for impact. That text from a depressed coworker who barely knows you and somehow mysteriously got your cell phone number, that's an invitation to impact. And, and I just want to be honest with you and tell you, I blew it this week. Sorry, I blew it. You see, I had an invitation for impact. I had an interruption that found me this week. See, we ordered, I ordered uh, 14 tires from Amazon because we can save the church. We take stewardship of our resources around here very seriously. So instead of just taking it to like a tire shop and say, go have at it, we actually do a lot of stuff ourselves because we want to, I stand before God as a steward and I'm, I'm held accountable for how we use resources. And so I ordered 14 tires. They're in my, we have a picture of it. Yeah, right here. That, that's, that's, our, that's my house right, right now. That was taken yesterday. So there's all the tires. 13 of the 14 showed up. I was mad because the UPS driver couldn't find my house. For, it's, for some reason, it doesn't show up in, in certain programs. So I, I've called them like 20 times and tell them, look, here's what I do. You know, tell them right where. Didn't show up. Oh, it's going to be till next week. And my wife's been really great about it, y'all. She hasn't complained about this in the living room. Thank you, Cindy. But I, I called up this customer lady, and I was rude. I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't cussing, but I was Christian cussing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't say a bad word, but you're saying bad things. You know? I mean, yeah, it was not pleasant. And I was like, not kind. And I got my boys. They're throwing darts in the other room and listen to it all. I got off the phone. I was super convicted by the Holy Spirit. I went to apologize to them, but I also repented to God. Because who knows what that lady was going through? You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows what she just came out of and what she needed to hear from someone who's supposed to use what he has for the kingdom of God to make an impact, and I blew it. And I'm sorry that disappoints you, but you know what? You can learn more. I learn more from my failures than I do my successes, so I'm just going to keep it real so you don't make that mistake that I made this week. And i got to preach the message. Imagine that. <laughs> we got to use our influence for impact because our identity directs our activity. And as we get ready to close, let me just say that godly impact always points to people. Godly impact is always going to be pointed at men and women of God. Listen to how the story ends. Chapter 8, verse 1. The same day King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told him how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring and when he had reclaimed the one he had reclaimed from Haman and presented it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. So all is well, right? All is hunky-dory. All is perfect. I mean, Esther got Haman's estate. Mordecai moved to second in command. 
in a great role reversal, right? And he even got a pole reversal, right? He, instead, of in, instead of him ending up on that pole, it was Haman that ended up on the pole. So we got a pole reversal. We got a role reversal. Everything's great. The end. No, story's not over. There's still a decree. There's still an active decree. They're set, but the rest of the Jews are in big trouble. So Esther says in verse three, she pleads with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to this evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? Go ahead, Gavin, get some music here. Help a brother out. Help a brother out. Use what you got. I preach better with that. I need a little help. I, how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see destruction on my family? The decree was still in place. So what did he do? He, you, a, a king cannot reverse a decree, but he issued another decree allowing the Jewish people to defend themselves, which they successfully did. And here's how the story ends. I want you to listen because our story is going to end someday. And I want you to contemplate the reality of what is said of us. This is what was said of Mordecai. King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the, throughout the empire to its distant shores and all his acts of power and might together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, not Haman, Mordecai, whom the king had promoted. Are they not written in the book of annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his fellow Jews. Here's the reason. Because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. 2,500 years later, we're still, we're still talking about Esther. We're still talking about Mordecai. Why? Because they spoke up. They weren't okay with okay. They weren't okay with mediocrity. They weren't okay with just playing itself, hunkering in the bunker. They spoke up and said, we're two Jewish people living in a foreign land. I don't know what we have to offer, but we got something to offer. I got a camping share that I can offer. Huh. And you better believe they spent their influence and they impacted their world because they said, I'm going to use what I got. How will we be remembered? What will be written about your life or my life or our collective life here at the gathering? Because one day it's going to come. We're going to be taken home. What will be said of us? What will be said of our impact? What will be said of how we use what we had for the kingdom of God? Today's our final day of, of, of the dream series. Final day. Our dream is to help people find and follow Jesus. And to do that most effectively, we need a home. As you know, we were told by Dysart Schools, who we love very much, and we're very thankful for God's provision through Dysart. But we were told by Dysart, for 18 weeks, you're not allowed to meet. We were shut down. We made the best of it. We bought some cameras, and we started an online ministry. Praise God. But we were reminded this year more than ever of the importance of a home. Last year, you showed up big, you gave generously, and we were able to buy 12 acres of land on Olive and Reams where we're going to build our home, a land that we 
paid a fraction of the cost for. It's now worth $2.5 million. It went up like $2 million in a year. That's God's provision. And so every November, what we do is we have our, our dream, our dream commitment, where we ask you to go and to give above the 10% tithe. And what you give for the dream commitment that goes above that 10% tithe, what, what you give goes directly to our home, to building a home. So you've been given these, uh, these cards right here. And during this next song, we're gonna ask you to, to plant that card, to plant that seed. And we actually have soil from our land. We have soil right up here from our land. And uh, just come and, and plant that seed. Plant that gift. Be generous. And know that God is going to use it to affect people's lives. And uh, for those watching online, if you're watching uh, Facebook, we're going to put a little, a little link. You can click right now and fill an online card. For those watching at uh, Church Online, you can click the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Dream Commitment. But I want to, and if those of you who don't have a card, you're here for the first time, I know it's kind of weird. You're here in the first time, you're like, oh, they're asking, to, they're asking for money. No, we're not. We're asking for impact. A resource, that's just one of the ways we impact people. There's a whole lot of other ways you impact people. But one of the ways is through giving what is really God's anyways, right? And so I unapologetically challenge you to make an impact because you'll thank me later because when you spend your time, your treasures, and your talents for something that's eternal, there's what's called an eternal reward that you will get paid in heaven. God's going to bless you for taking care of his people. Amen? So if you don't have one, we got them up here, and we got some Sharpies. Don't worry. Your, your pledge will be tabulated. The Sharpies are cool. But, uh, but I want to challenge you. During this next song, as the Lord leads you, plant something. Do something that's going to impact people in this church, in this city, and in our world long after you breathe your last breath. I want to encourage you now as the worship team plays to come and to plant that pledge of faith in that dirt, in that soil, as you make your impact.